Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for this weekend, we see the Pharisees once again trying to trap Jesus, trying to get some evidence upon him so as to charge him with a crime. Remember last week? It was the census tax. They conspired with the Herodians to find out if Jesus either supported or didn't support the temple tax. And it seemed like it was the perfect trap, but Jesus beat it. Well, now for this weekend, they come to Jesus and they ask Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? Now, what we have to understand is the whole background regarding the laws, the Mosaic laws. Now, in the very beginning, God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments. But despite the Ten Commandments and possession of them, the Israelites continued to fall into idolatry. They continued to worship other gods time and time again. And they suffered for that. Well, the Israelites came to the knowledge that if they imposed more laws upon themselves, above and beyond the Ten Commandments, that that would prevent them from sinning and it would always make sure that they were in a right relationship with God. And so year after year, they would impose more laws on how they govern themselves in their daily lives regarding worship, the practice of hygiene, the practice of just cooking food. Now these laws began to add up for centuries on end. And at the time of Jesus Christ, the Jewish people were governed by 613 laws. Again, the laws governed their daily lives, from the time they got up in the morning to the time they went to bed. These laws not only covered areas as far as worship and prayer and when to pray, but also tasks of daily life, what to wear, how to wear your clothes, what to eat, how to prepare your food, how to cleanse the cooking utensils, things like that, how to bathe yourselves in proper hygiene. Now you say to yourselves, why? Why did they do that? Why did they limit their freedom? Because the Jews believed if they followed all these laws, it would prevent them from sinning against God. They would always be in a right relationship with God. And so one could naturally conclude these laws were self-imposed by the Israelites because they feared God. They followed these laws motivated by fear. They feared God and what would happen to them if they didn't follow these laws. Now, Jesus knew that. That's why he answers them by saying, You shall love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, as well as your mind. He doesn't say, You shall fear your God. No, he says, You shall love your God. Because Jesus knows when it comes to faith, if you fear God, that faith is not going to last very long. It's not going to be genuine. And so Jesus transforms the laws that were once motivated by fear, now motivated by love. Jesus is trying to convince the Israelites, as well as us, 
that faith must be rooted in love in order for it to last. That's why Jesus says in chapter 9, it is love I desire and not sacrifice. Jesus is getting at the very heart of faith. If you boil faith down to its very nuts and bolts, it's all about us in relationship with God. Our life should be directed towards God's all-embracing love and mercy. And so, it begs a soul-searching question for us all. What is the motivating force for us to practice our faith? What motivates us to go to church every weekend? What motivates us to pray every day? What motivates us to practice the corporal and spiritual works of mercy? Whatever it is, that will determine the type of relationship that we have with God. Now, in this case, what I'd like to do is turn to St. Catherine of Siena. St. Catherine of Siena is one of my all-time favorite saints, and she wrote a book called The Dialogue. Now, if you have any spare time whatsoever, read this book. I've read it three times already. It's called The Dialogue, and it's literally her dialoguing with God. Now, in this book, she talks about there's three basic relationships that people tend to have with God, and each relationship has a different motivating force behind it. Now, St. Catherine begins by saying the first relationship some people have with God is a slave-to-master relationship. She describes it in terms of the slave fears their master, fears being punished, fears even being sold to a worse master. So the slave will always be obedient to their master because of fear. They fear their master. Now, St. Catherine writes, some people have this relationship with God. Their faith is based upon fear and fear alone. Now, they do practice their faith. They go to Mass every weekend. They pray every day. They do the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. But they do it because they fear God. They fear God's punishment. They fear hell and damnation if they don't do those things. And therefore, the relationship is based upon fear and fear alone. It's void of any love whatsoever. And Catherine says, this is not what God wants. Now, the second relationship that some people have, according to St. Catherine, is one of friendship, motivated by mercenary love. I love that term, mercenary love. She describes this relation in which both persons enjoy each other's company, and yet they want to receive something from the other. It's kind of like quid pro quo. I will be your friend if you do this for me, provided the other person says, I will be your friend if you do that for me. Regardless of what it is, it's a mercenary love. It's based upon the individual's self-interest. There's no genuine love there. These two people enter into a friendship so that they can get something out of it for their own self-interest. Now, St. Catherine writes, some people have this type of relationship with God. They'll say to God, God, I will go to Mass every week. I will pray every day. I will practice my faith to the best of my abilities, provided that you bless me. Bless me with a good life. Bless me with good health. Bless me with a prosperous career. St. Catherine says this is very dangerous because God doesn't work this way. God doesn't bargain with faith. In fact, St. Catherine writes that this type of faith is very tenuous at best. Why? Because if this type of person 
doesn't enjoy maybe good health or a prosperous career, they will say, Lord, I did all these things, but you did not do anything for me. You did not bless me. Therefore, I'm not going to uphold my part of the bargain. Therefore, I'm not going to practice my faith any longer. Now, the third type of relationship St. Catherine writes that some people have with God is one of lovers. It's based upon mutual self-giving love. It's beautiful. St. Catherine writes, she says, Both lovers, they gaze upon each other and they say to one another, My life is about the love I receive from you and the love I give to you. St. Catherine writes, This is exactly the type of relationship and faith that God desires for each and every one of us. Now notice the motivating force behind all three of the relationships. The servant-master, the motivating force is fear. With mercenary love, it's out of self-interest. But with the lovers, it's authentic love. Now, with that in mind, go back into the gospel. Now we can understand and even appreciate how Jesus answered that question. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. God's motivating force for us, each and every one of us, is love. God created this entire universe. He created you and I, motivated by love for us all. God has given everything that we need to be happy in life. When you think about it, God has given everything for us to have life in this world. God even give, has given us the greatest possession he ever had, his only son, in order to sacrifice his son so that we may have life and life in abundance. What's the motivating force? Love for us. Therefore, the only proper response to God's love for us is to love God with our whole heart. Notice the detail too. When Jesus says, love the Lord your God with your heart, your mind, and your soul. Your heart, your mind, and your soul means everything. It means to give yourself completely over to God. You don't hold anything back. And see, that's what God does for us. He holds nothing back. Even his only son, he's willing to sacrifice for us. Well, we're naturally compelled to do the same. To give our heart, our mind, our soul, our will, and our intellect, our complete self over to God out of love. And if our faith is motivated by love and not fear and not mercenary love, it's very easy for us to do. And yet herein lies the great grace. When our faith is rooted in genuine love for God, it spills over. It always does. In my two parishes, there are baptismal fonts that constantly have water running over them. Well, that reminds me of the relationship that we have with God. It's genuine love such that it spills over and it touches other people. And we become a living reflection of God's love in this world. That's why Jesus immediately says the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this is easily done. If our faith and our love is rooted in God and God alone, then we're naturally compelled to share God's love with other people. Now, mind you, don't make the mistake of thinking love in this term is an emotion or a term of affection. Love means to will the good of others, and we can do that, even perfect strangers. In fact, I'll give you a great example of how we do that every time we gather for Mass. 
when we offer our petitions up, many times we offer those petitions for people we do not know. And even if we do know them, we're praying for them. That is an act of love. We are willing the best for those people. And so we're praying for them. That is just one act of love that we can perform for others. And see, the reason we do that? Because we're naturally compelled to share God's love with others. Where does it first start? By loving God with our heart, mind, and soul, our will, and our intellect. We recognized how overwhelming God's love is for us. Therefore, we're naturally compelled to give our entire self over to God as lovers, recognizing that everything that we have from God is motivated by God's love, and therefore everything that we do should be motivated for our love for God, which then allows us to love our neighbor as ourself. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.